Good morning. Good morning. The scripture reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus the Messiah. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 24 and last. When Joseph awoke, no. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, 25 and last, but had no marital relations with her until she had, been, had given birth to a son and named him Jesus. Here ends the word. Thanks be to God. Anyway, we've been looking at the nearness of God, the theme that God is near us. Advent is about God coming to us in Jesus Christ. That's what we've been looking at for the last number of weeks. And let's see this. No, no. It's over to you, big guy. Sorry. You got it? Next one? Yeah. Last week, we considered as our introduction the work of Viktor Frankl. As you know, Frankl survived through the uh, concentration camps in Germany during the Second World War. And he was a brilliant man, reflected on his work through that whole experience, and he um, came to the idea that how do we have meaning in life? Where does meaning come from? And for Frankel, meaning comes, one, through action, taking some sort of action, using who you are, what you've done, what you're about, and to actually act. Take a step and move out. And then to demonstrate that through love. And he cites uh, Kierkegaard, who Kierkegaard says the door to happiness always opens outward. That happiness all happens that way. It won't happen by achievement, by success. Whatever the world offers, it won't happen that way. It happens through love. It's the only way you're going to get happiness. And of course we see that, right? People with lots of money, people win lotteries have crazy amounts of money, and, and they're not particularly happy as a result of that. That it has to be demonstrated in love, finally. And then finally, thirdly, he talks about suffering. So how do we respond to suffering? Suffering is inevitable. 
he says it's happening to all of us. Of course, that was very real to him through the whole uh, concentration camp piece. And what he observed was, well, okay, well, how do you how do you respond to this? How do you adapt to your suffering? Because you can choose not to adapt and, and then just keep shriveling up, or you can try to adapt, adapt and handle the suffering that is coming your way best you can. Action loving suffering. And we looked at that through the story of Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, and how he responded in his life. And now today we are going to look at Joseph. Barbara read that story for us, famous story from Matthew 1. And we'll see, I think, that it's similar. That Joseph, who doesn't say a word in all the canticle songs, right? Does not say one word. He's the silent man. He's the walking man. Not one word. But he acts, we'll see. And he definitely acts in love. And he has his share of suffering. We know with Joseph right away, Herod is out to kill the child, so they have to flee. They become refugees to Egypt for two years. They're on the run. And even when he comes back, finally, he thinks it might be safe enough. He's still very wary where he, he chooses to take his family. So he had his share of suffering. Of course, we know the rest. So action, loving, and suffering. That's where we are. And now we look at our story. Let me try this. Shadow. Oh, nice. Success. All the better. So what's the context? Well, the context is this famous piece that Mary finds out, of course, that she is pregnant and doesn't really know how to tell Joseph about this because this is through the Holy Spirit. She talks with Joseph. Joseph doesn't really know what to do. He's a righteous person, we're told in text. That's important. He's righteous. He's a righteous Jew. He follows the Torah. What the Torah says is very important to him. I need to follow that. Deuteronomy 22, 24 says, in a situation like this, you divorce. You put aside your wife. But Joseph really loves Mary, so what's he going to do? This creates a crisis. And so we could say the moral crisis of Joseph. So we've got to put ourselves back 2,000 years, right? Remember, the situation of marriage in the Jewish family at that point was most marriages were arranged. So Mary is determined that she's going to marry Joseph at a young age probably 12 or so, quite young. And then following that, there's a betrothing reality, and they're not living together yet, but they are officially married. They're engaged, and it's called betrothed. And it was just as if they were married, all right? It's much bigger than what we might say engagement is today. It's very big in that point. So they're the beginning, marriage is arranged, betrothed, and then finally you have this public celebration, you're married, and you live together. So they're in that middle stage. They're betrothed. And it's during that betrothal time frame that Mary finds out that she is pregnant, 
She's told by an angel is through the Holy Spirit. She tries to talk to Joseph. What would you do? How would you respond to that? Joseph has a hard time believing it. Whether he believes it or not, the law says put her aside. So that's the moral crisis of Joseph. So he decides, this is all the way background, he decides, okay, I love Mary, so I'm going to do this very quietly on the side. We won't make this a big deal. We'll try to get through this, but that will be it. And at that point, we're told that an angel speaks to Joseph. But just when he had resolved to do this, right, just as he decides, maybe he's decided the next day this is going to happen, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Interesting here that the angel tells him to name your son Jesus. Normally, it is the mom at that point in that culture who's going to name the child. But here, Joseph is told to do it. Joseph is brought in. He's going to be the legal father of this child. And she will bear a child. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That little bit's actually important because not only will he save us, we'll say more about that, but it's a sign to the Jewish community at the time that this one is not coming as a political liberator. He will save his people from their sins. His effort is going to be internal. It's going to be interior. That's what this child is going to do. He's not going to be the great Messiah that we've all thought about who's going to come and blow the Romans away and create national uh, glory for Israel. He's not going to do that. He will save his people from their sins, interior. So we might, you know, reading that, we don't necessarily catch that. But that's what Matthew's talking about. There's a point there in that apart from the theological statement. Do not fear. How we live in fear, right? How we all live in fear at some point. The angels keep telling folk not to fear. Someone has noted that that is the most repeated command in all of the New Testament. Do not fear. If we have to fear anybody, we are not to fear Abba. Do not fear Abba. He is there for you. He loves you. Natalie and Tamara read the candle story. God is love. You do not have to fear him. Do not fear. So the angel tells Joseph. And it's interesting here because the angel has already said, right, that, that this child is going to be a blessing. Well, the law has said, put the woman aside. How can the child be a blessing? An immoral act has taken place. Put the child aside. That's what the law will be saying. But that's not what God is doing. So what we might say is there's a sideways move here. A sideways move of God. There's a disruption This is not an unholy situation. This is a blessed situation. This child is going to be used for the glory of God. 
But it happens in a way which is totally puzzling for people. It's not what people are expecting. And of course, Jesus came along and did this all the time. He upset people. He did things that people weren't, expect, weren't accept, uh, expecting. Sorry. How we understand the Sabbath. What happens on the Sabbath. Can you heal on the Sabbath. He, he was breaking all the laws all the time. So these sideways moves of God. Surprising movements of God. That's what we see here in the text. And that would have been very difficult for the Jewish community of the day to understand that. They, they, they would have a hard time, even as they had a hard time accepting Jesus, right? How can Jesus, how can this all be true? We don't even know where you came from. We don't, we don't know, you, you didn't study at the best schools, you didn't have a PhD, blah, 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 all that stuff. They had a hard time. Thomas Long writes, he learns, that is he being Joseph, he learns that being truly righteous does not mean looking up a rule in a book and then doing the right thing. It means wrestling with the complexities of a problem, listening for the voice of God, and then doing God's thing. To be a faithful disciple means prayerfully seeking to discover what God is doing in the difficult situations we face. That's what discipleship's all about. Life's not so easy. So we are to act, we are to love, and then we end up suffering. So how do I honor God in my suffering? Lots of complexities here. And so, you know, we, we have the same kind of wrestling today, right? Complexities, issues are complex. How do we handle, how do we respond in all kinds of different situations? So the disruptions of God... The sideways moves of God. God is not always acting to please us. He doesn't always act the way we think he should act. He acts. Then the angel has a message. And the angel's message is, well, you're going to have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. Joshua is the Hebrew meaning God saves. And then Matthew later is going to interpret that in, in terms of Emmanuel. But here the angel says that his, he will redeem his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. We've mentioned that already. God's work for you and me to deal with all of the stuff that's inside, you know, all of our interior blocks, all of our resistance, all of our sins, Sins, we don't really use that word. Carl Menninger wrote a famous book called Whatever Happened to Sin? He was a Jewish writer, scholar. We don't use the word sin in our culture so much. But we know resistance. We know about us, ourselves turning from God, saying, no, no, no. You know, I want to follow you, God, yes, 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 but I also want to do my own thing. Scripture calls that Sin, resistance, turning away. So God will save his people from their sins. That's a beautiful idea. That's a beautiful truth. Your sins, my sins, all the hardness of your heart and my heart. God deals in Christ to deal with that. That's the Christmas truth, the beginning of it. So the first name is used, Jesus. 
Jesus, the one who redeems us, who heals us, who deals with all our interior brokenness that is so apparent. If no one else sees it, we see it. We know it. Go back to that text. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So this is following the angel's song, and now Matthew, the writer, interprets it, and he adds a little bit. And what he adds is this text from Isaiah 7.14, which speaks about Hezekiah. It's a famous verse, Isaiah 7.14, you can go back and look at that. But originally it spoke about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the son of Ahaz, King Ahaz, who was not a follower of Yahweh. Ahaz was a, considered an evil king in the Jewish history of kings. But his son, Hezekiah, he was going to be a follower, follower of Yahweh, a king who will try to do the right thing. And Isaiah speaks about him, and that's where this text about Emmanuel comes from. And Matthew interprets it and picks it up and says, this is referencing the Messiah, Emmanuel. This child of yours will also be called Emmanuel. El is the name for God, Emmanu, with us. So God is with us. El is with us. A beautiful second name. We don't, Jesus was not named or called Emmanuel in his life, but this prophecy is applied to him. So he is also Emmanuel. Coretto writes, What humans were unable to do for themselves on their journey towards God, God has done by stooping down towards humanity to enable humans to take their place in the family of God. God entered the family of humanity with the incarnation for the first time. The unbridgeable was bridged from above to below. Story of God coming down to us in Christ. You may not know the name Carlo Coretto. Coretto was a brother, not a priest, in the Catholic Church. He was a brother. And he was very involved in political activism and activism for the church. That was his whole career, to be active, to be active, to be active for God. Just what we were saying with Frankel. But then he has a spiritual moment in his own life, and he feels that now he has been led to the desert and essentially becomes a brother, a monk, living in the Arabian desert. And he lives there for 10 years. What a switch. A brother in Italy, active for the church, Catholic church, now living in the desert for 10 years. This is when he's writing this kind of statement. To know God interiorly, to know God in the quiet, so Coretto has a lot to offer us. Over Christmas, you want to get some spiritual meditation in? Check out on Amazon, Carlo Coretto. He's got a bunch of books that are very good, worth reading. God comes down to us in Christ. So God is in solidarity with you and me, and he is Emmanuel for us. So he is Jesus, who will save us from our sins, but he is also Emmanuel, who walks with us. God with us, with you, with me, in whatever situation we face. It's interesting, going back to Viktor Frankl, 
The ones that he was, was totally amazed with were the people of faith in the concentration camps. Because he said, whatever faith, whether they had a faith and they held on to that strongly, you could not blow them away. You could kill them. But their interior person was really, really strong. He called that holding on, keeping hold, keeping hold. The people of faith could keep hold. He was amazed by that. So many were just giving up. Suicide was rampant. Electric fences all around the camp. All you had to do was walk into the fence and you were gone. A lot of people did that. Who was keeping hold? People who had hope. Emmanuel. Amazing. God with us. God with you. God with me. With all of the questions you have. Going forward. What will 2024 bring about for your life? <clears throat> what will 2024 bring about for our church life? Lots of questions. But we're told that Emmanuel is with us. God is with us. Jesus is with us. And that can make a real difference. Viktor Frankl said it made a huge difference for so many people in the concentration camps. Did they have a faith and hope that they held on to through the whole piece? So moving on is towards the end. We see that Joseph here is someone who acts. <clears throat> Joseph is a model here. He's the silent man. He never says a word, but he's a model of discipleship. He acts. He has that dream, and immediately he acts on it. Now, isn't that kind of cool? Wow. You ever had a dream that powerful that you're going to act, like, immediately? Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Will we act? I was sleepy, and I told this story one time, and I heard my mother speak into my voice, into my ear, really loud, one word. Alan. That was one word. And I know it was her. So what did that mean to me? Alan. I wish she would have gone on and said a little bit more. It was just Alan. Maybe trying to wake me up, I don't know. Get me to act, move, do something, I don't know. Joseph has this dream and he acts. And immediately... He takes his family and they leave. And we know the story of Herod later wanting to kill the child. So Joseph is a model of discipleship. Hearing God's voice and acting. Jesus ends the book of Matthew with his own statement, I am with you always to the end of the age. Those are his last words in the Gospel of Matthew. I am with you always. With you always doesn't use the word Emmanuel, but that's the idea. I emphasize, ego, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus tried to encourage his disciples that that's the reality. And if that's the case, then he's with us. He's with you, with me, with us, and you know, whatever we are facing. And Jesus' mission is to what? Is to save us and to walk with us, to be with us, in all the ups and downs, whatever age we're at, whatever part of life we're at, younger or older, Jesus with us, Emmanuel with us, to speak to us, lead us, guide us.
Merton says, he is born son of man in order that we may be born sons and daughters of God, our souls being Bethlehem's in which he is born for us. Born in our lives. Born in our hearts and minds. They say that Bethlehem right now is a very gloomy place. Right now. There's, it's very dark. Bleak reading stories on CNN yesterday about that. Makes sense. But Jesus is born in our hearts. Your heart is Bethlehem. So may we receive, may we act, may we love, and may that change how we respond even in our own suffering, because there will be a fair bit of that in 2024, for sure for us. So how will we respond? How will we adapt, Frankel says? In Jesus' name, let's respond with love. Amen. Amen.